This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, November 1st, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. The neoconservative lament of late is that our military budget might be cut. Leading neoconservatives have argued that it would be a mistake to cut military spending even in these anemic economic conditions. Chris Preble, Director of Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, says their complaints presume that our military should be used globally in peacetime and for aims it really wasn't designed to achieve. It almost seems funny as if some hobgoblin has uh, uh, bothered various neoconservative thought leaders and told them, you better look out. The military budget is about to get cut, even though it doesn't seem like, at least in the short run, that that there's much of a threat of that. President Obama's doubled down in Afghanistan. We're winding things down a little bit in Iraq. Uh, All of the cuts from announced by uh, Secretary Gates have been restructuring, small, right. not really uh, that uh, that much, not like what we saw in, the, in right. the 90s. Why the concern? Well, I think they're concerned for two reasons. One is, is that there are a number of uh, pressures kind of all coming to bear at the same time on spending in general. We, we you know, there, these are things that we here at Cato have been tracking for a very, very long time, but they appear to be, you know, more, they're, they're just kind of increasing in urgency, and that's all, uh, again, to be expected. Combine that with a fairly widespread public anxiety about spending, about deficits and debt. You know, again, this is something that's come along from time to time, but it's, it's clearly uh, a, a key factor in the upcoming elections. Um, and then I think also a kind of anxiety and and um, uh, fatigue associated with the wars and the sense that, yes, this state-of-the-art military, we are proud of it, we are proud of our men and women in uniform, and yet uh, we are spending an extraordinary amount of money in places like Iraq and Afghanistan. And so we've seen the war in Afghanistan you know, the the tip over point where more people oppose the war than support it, that has taken place over the last few months. And I think they're worried that these different pressures are going to come uh, come kind of to a head. They're going to come to a head, they fear, I suspect, uh, at the same time that a new class of politicians comes into Washington, many of whom are not part of the establishment, are not beholden to party leaders, and are not necessarily inclined to listen to thought leaders, uh, use that term advisedly, thought leaders here in, in Washington and in you know the East Coast, um, and that makes them very nervous. You know, you can call it whatever you want, populism, Tea Party, you know, traditional conservatism, whatever. This is a movement that is is much more focused on uh, kind of domestic concerns on on getting the the fiscal house in order and less I suspect less enamored of using military power U.S. power in a very uh, aggressive and expansive way around the world. So perhaps their specific concern for the next session of Congress is that these uh, less loyal Republicans combined with Democrats yes. might actually cram some pretty serious uh, military spending cuts. Uh, And President Obama would presumably like to help his base by signing something like that. Right. I mean, I think they're worried that uh, they're trying to head this off a number of different ways. On the one hand, they're trying to cast this as an Obama project to cut the military budget, as you've pointed out. 
the so far the Obama administration has signaled no such thing. The defense budget is continuing to grow in real terms. Gates's reforms are merely shifting money inside of the you know the total top line, which continues to grow modestly. Um, but if there was a political groundswell in favor of cuts to the military, they're trying to head that off in effect. Um, now, on the other hand, you know, part of me is is kind of bemused by this whole thing because because it's true. Uh, that the military has has uh, traditionally been it's been a very difficult thing to cut. That it has a much more ba- uh, stronger base of support among fiscal conservatives, especially who question a lot of the things that the government does. But military being one of the core functions of government, that's you know usually gets a pass. But I think even fiscal conservatives recognize that with the amount of money that has has gone to. Uh, DOD over the last 10, 12 years, there's clearly some waste there. And there's even some talk about revisiting what we ask our military to do, which would allow actual real cuts, not just cuts uh, and, and efficiency reforms around the margins. I mean, from my perspective, and I've said this on many occasions, I mean, to, to really achieve serious reductions in military spending and to, to push them through in a responsible way requires us to rethink our missions. Uh, and I do worry a little bit that the fiscal pressures that we're all aware of are going to push down on the military, but, but that the mission will, will remain unchanged. And if that happens, similar to what happened in the, happened in the 1990s, that would really be uh, unfortunate for the troops. It would erode over time. Their readiness, morale, operational tempo continues to go up. Uh, and I think that you know everyone is concerned about that, or at least they should be. Again, the, the neoconservatives and some conservatives' re- response to that is simply to continue to give the military more and more uh, and to not revisit the, the ends, the, the goals, the missions. Uh, but I do think there is, a, there is a very credible case, you know, Ben Friedman and I laid it out most recently in our paper, a very credible case for changing the missions and, and you know, uh, adopting a policy of restraint, and that would allow for, for substantial cuts in military spending. So part of their concern, their fear, is uh, quite possibly that as this uh, reckoning of what the military is for actually occurs, that there will be this uh, new maybe intellectual groundswell that says something to the effect of, oh, our main concern is terrorism. And that's not what our military is really for. Absolutely. I mean, I think most Americans are asking some pretty important questions about about what what our military does in terms of the most uh, important threats facing us today. Um, and terrorism, you know, is just not con- particularly conducive to military force. In fact, our use of the military arguably has made the problem worse in recent years. Um, but then it raises a whole host of other questions about, well, if, if the military isn't intended primarily to, to fight terrorism, then what is it for? And I think that that's when, again, the, the Tea Party movement or, or that intellectual strand starts asking questions about defense and what do we mean by defense? Uh, you know, and as I've said many times, that most of what our, we label as the Department of Defense is really oriented around defending other countries. Um, and and if you if you take that as a given, uh, it starts to look a lot more and more like foreign aid, which is we know one of the most unpopular things in the federal budget today. So I think those are the kinds of things they're worried about, and I do think they have reason to be worried, just given the state of the economy, given the the fiscal pressures, and given this new class of 
uh, incoming members of Congress, likely incoming members of Congress who who do not come in with a, you know, fully committed to the kind of Washington consensus on foreign policy that's governed for the last 20 years or so. Christopher Preble, author of The Power Problem, is the Director of Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. You can get your copy of the book at cato.org.